Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. If you're new, I'm Katie Sewell. I live in Seattle. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, is in Rome. And as a community of listeners over the last six years, we've been exploring Italy and Rome and how to sort out what you want from life and how to take chances and how to move away and how to come home. But now, Seattle is where the first coronavirus death occurred in the United States, and Italy, where Tiffany is, is in total lockdown. Maybe you are too. Let us keep you company. Let's explore this difficult time together. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Katie, do you notice do you notice anything different about me right now? Um it looks like it's daytime. Yeah. <laughs> There's natural light shining on me for the first time. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? You have this angelic quality. What could it be? We always tape when it's evening time for me. And I've got this very low light and it's kind of grainy. I feel like my video is always grainy and we were taping a little bit earlier today, and so it's nice to have some natural light. Yeah, and if I sound any different, it's because I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even had like a cup of coffee or a pot of tea yet. So yeah, so pour really... yourself pour yourself that tea while I tell Aurelia to stop playing with my computer cord. Aurelia, please. So that's another thing that's different. I usually record after Aurelio is in bed. But he, instead, he's sitting right next to me right now. Now, he is occupied with a video and earphones, so he should be okay. But if you hear me breaking out of, at, every so often, that's why. Yes. Well, consider it a special guest star for this occasion. Do you want to say hi, honey? Ha, ha, ha. Hi, hi. Ha, ha, hi. Wow, that was okay. enthusiastic. I'm glad somebody has energy today. Very enthusiastic right now. <laughs> But in a way, it's nice having him there because we're doing a show today about long-distance friendship, and, and you guys have a very close-distance friendship right now, sitting side-by-side side on the couch, whereas <laughs> between you and me, we have an entire half a globe, you being in Rome, me being in Seattle. I know. I wish you were here on my other side. Yes, that would be a lot easier from a technical and editing standpoint as well, <laughs> not to mention the fun that we would have over the weekend kicking around your house. Of course, the quarantine in Italy isn't over yet. Not for a long time. Did you hear? Can I just update you very briefly, and then we're going to get into what we're really talking about? Oh, yes, please do. We now are officially extending our quarantine until at least May 3rd. It's official. Wow. And after that, it will be incremental who gets to go back to work, and social distancing will probably continue. But that's just the update from Rome right now. Well, how do you feel about that? Um, honestly, I, as I may have told you about a week ago, I was really digging the whole quarantine. I was enjoying it and I'm still pretty much enjoying it. But it's one thing to be stuck inside for all of March. It's another thing to be stuck inside for all of April. Because April is, it's really probably my favorite month in Rome because it's still cool, but yet it's beautiful and sunny. Uh, and you can go outside and you can sit in the sunshine I don't like it when it's so hot that you have to sit in the shade. I like it when it's cool enough that you can sit in the sun because I like to feel the sun on me. And also my favorite Rome flower, the wisteria, blooms in April. Mm. I just love it. And so I feel a little annoyed that I have to miss all of that. And we won't be, you know, April's kind of the month where we start going on our walks. 
we start spending a lot of time in the center and going to museums. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of a little bummed out. But, you know, at least we have May, hopefully. <laughs> I don't want to, like, jinx myself. Looking ahead at the Seattle weather forecast for the week, I noticed that for us on Friday, it's expected to be almost 70 degrees. Oh, jeez. Which for Seattle is extremely nice. <laughs> so, yeah, any time of year, really, but especially in April. Yeah, and already it's feeling really hot. And it's been sunny outside every day, which, of course, is debatable. Does that make the quarantine easier or does that make it harder? I don't know. Because Seattleites are very used to sort of holding up with the rain outside. Mm-hmm. But if, with the sun beckoning outside, does it make the inside of the house cheerier? Or does it make it all the more depressing? And jury's out on that. Do you know what I have to say really briefly? This quarantine has taken away from me in a good sense. It has freed me from, I don't know if you ever get this, the feeling that you should be out enjoying the day. You should be out doing something. I really should be out taking a walk today. I really should be out. I should have gone to the beach today or I should have gone to the park today or I should be, you know, and instead you're stuck at home because you're tired or what you just don't feel like it. And and I don't have that guilt anymore. I'm like, well, I can't. So <laughs> I can you just... <laughs> the truth of the matter is, you shouldn't be. Yeah. You shouldn't be. No <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's true. That um, I think we've joked about that on the show before, that Seattleites have that real problem where you look forward to this sunny, beautiful summer the whole year because most of the year is very cloudy. And then when it arrives, by the end of it, people are starting to get a little annoyed because they've had to be out like throwing a Frisbee and walking with friends and stuff. And everybody's like, I just want a night to read a book. So (laughs) I don't want to have to play another pickup game of basketball. You know, it's just sort of like, oh my gosh, I just want to stay home. But anyway, we decided we were going to talk about long distance friendship now because we're all in a way in a long distance friendship uh, until this quarantine is over. But you and I have a lot of experience of being long distance friends, not only with each other but with a lot of other people yes in part because we both have moved i've been moving around a lot in the last six years and you've been living in rome for about 15 Mm -hmm. so long distance friendship is the norm yeah for us in some ways and in fact that's part of the reason why i moved back to seattle was so that i didn't have to have so many long distance friends anymore and lo and behold we'll wait on that for a little while so anyway (laughs) (laughs) but what i mean in 15 years and of course many ad advances in technology uh, since you moved to Rome. Have you found... Hey, Oh, hello. Katie. Hi, Aurelio. Can you hear this? No, she can't hear it, honey, because you've got earphones on. But I can hear it in my heart, and it is great. It's great. She's going to go She's gonna go watch Asterix after this so she can see how cool it is. Yeah, I love Asterix, yeah. So, yeah, so... Um... Well, first of all, I moved from Seattle to Boston at 18 for college. And I never moved back to Seattle. So really since 18, I've been having long-distance friendships. So I know that you were, in your 20s, a prolific letter writer. I was. At least to your favorite best friends. Yes. So would you say, is that the number one way of good communication for you? Oh, I don't know that there's a number one way, but it's definitely... There's something special about writing letters, and you're really good at writing letters now. I have, I am not so good at it anymore, but I want to get back into it. Maybe I'll write you a letter. Yeah, write me a letter. Just in honor. I mean, I'm stuck inside. I might as well start writing letters. It's true. But anyway, I think there's something special about a letter that's you could never, ever, ever get from an email. There's something more durable about it, even though technologically an email will last 
forever longer because a letter will eventually, you know, disintegrate. But there's something about it. You keep it in a box, you know, you keep it in a special place. You might pull it out and read it randomly sometimes if you're missing your friend or something. And when you get it, it's it's really an occasion when you get a letter in the mail, especially these days. Oh, it's exciting. And you might wait until you have a free moment in your day where you can make yourself a cup of tea and sit down and really enjoy it and sort of soak it up and delight in it. And so there is something about that. And I also feel like when you're writing a letter, as opposed to dashing off an email, you definitely take more time with it. And you want to say something that's worth saying. You don't want to just say, yeah, I've been doing such and such. How are you? You know, you want to make some kind of interesting comment. That's or, a good point. I know, because there's money invested. You got to put the stamp on there. You got note paper. <laughs> exactly. You got, envelope that you got to use mm-hmm. nowadays you can't lick that envelope you got to use a sponge or tape but still <laughs> I mean you're taking several processes yeah uh, I've gotten several letters since the beginning of the quarantine mainly from my family because nice. I think they've taken nice. up the practice of writing letters again to do something different with the time and of course I write letters all the time because I write letters to all of our donors which I prefer to do because yeah I can do the email thing but it just does, it like you said it just doesn't feel as personal yeah <laughs> you know it feels like oh yeah thank you so much for the donation and maybe in this modern world that's antiquated of me but it feels better to have the paper laid out where is this person who are they what do, what communications have we had and actually write something in my handwriting it's really nice and I know our donors love it there's also like I mean you could so easily not that you would you personally but anyone who receives donations for anything or has reason to send out multiple thank you notes could very easily have like an automated thing where it just sends the same thank you note or half of it is just copied and pasted. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're writing a letter, that's just not possible. It's, you know, it, you know, it's personalized. There's no, there's no way it couldn't be. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I do think that that's a great way to keep in touch with friends. And I kept in touch with you like that for a lot. Although our letters were a little bit strange. They weren't regular and short. They were very sporadic and extremely long. We're talking like notebooks full. We've talked about this before. Yes. And then our mutual friend, Suzanne, who's really my other closest friend, or one of my, let's say, three or four closest friends, she and I used to exchange letters quite regularly all through our late teens and into our 20s and through most of our 20s and I'm the one who dropped the ball on that and I it's been like years since I I need to write her back oh so you could pick up that ball this week I think I will it's interesting though I want I did want to say part of the reason why I like writing letters is because it takes longer and so if you're writing a really good friend that you haven't seen for a long time it really does feel like you're spending some time with them Mm -hmm. you can't go out to actually meet for a drink But if you write him a letter for an hour, it's sort of like you got together. It's a one-sided conversation, but it is you talking to the other person. But I I can say that there are certain people that I really love to write who are not people who really love to write (laughs) letters (laughs) or they don't have time to write letters. But I really like writing them letters for whatever reason. It feels like a, a way that I like to talk to them. And in some cases, I think that that is where things can go wrong because You know, I have one very good friend that, and I don't know if she listens to the show or not, but we haven't seen each other in so long. And I like writing letters to her. And she has two little kids. She never has the time to write. And so when she does write, it's just all apologies for how long it's been. And she feels so guilty about it. And I I finally was like, you know, you can communicate with me however you want. You can just text me 
all day long if you feel like it just send me pictures of anything you see i just personally like writing you letters don't feel like you have to write me back but in talking about this and thinking about this i thought huh i wonder if that in some way has been somehow damaging to our relationship um i really have stopped kicking oh, my computer all right put your foot on my lap fine make room <laughs> that's very nice of you the way that you that you told her, you know, you don't have to. I'm not so selfless. I would have been like, where's my letter? <laughs> I'm never writing you again. <laughs> that was an alarming thought to Aurelio right then. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, to just, I have many other thoughts on this, but we decided to widen the conversation for this since for weeks, it's just been you and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, although actually last week we had guests from all over the world. Thank you, everybody. But it's mostly been you and me talking for the last couple of weeks. So we decided to invite in a couple other people to give us their thoughts on long distance relationships. We invited the hosts of another podcast called This Life Explains It All to muse about long distance friendship with us because not only do they tape their show across the world like we do, they are also friends who run a business together. So I invited them in to share their thoughts about how to maintain a good and strong relationship with friends that you can't actually physically be with, what helps and what hurts. So here they are. Hi, I'm Stefania Romeo in San Francisco. And I'm Catherine Griffiths in Sydney, Australia. We've been friends for 10 years that we've now identified. And <laughs> and we've been living across the world from each other for about five years. And I think about why we've stayed so close. And it's really about being vulnerable. I remember when I first moved here and I was really scared. I didn't know anyone. And I really leaned on you a lot to help me through those times. You stay close with the people who you can just bare your heart and soul to. And it doesn't matter what the distance is. If you can be really vulnerable, celebrate your best days and your worst, worst days, that's who you're going to stay close with in a long distance friendship. 100%. I remember actually a specific example with you. I was going through just a hard time with a guy. I was hysterically crying and I called you and you said... Catherine, this is not the first time that you've called me with this. You know what you have to do. And I was like, I know. (laughs) Then I broke up with him. (laughs) I'm glad that that was helpful. Put you on a good path. It did. Yeah, Yeah. really. It was just exactly what I needed to hear. One of the other things that I do think is helpful in maintaining friendship is doing as much voice. I really don't do a ton of video, but voice I love versus just text. I think that when the relationship is all over text and written, it can be harder to have that same vulnerability that we talked about. We've also experienced some really big moments over video of one of our friends going into labor, which is a really cool thing to feel like we were a part of. And I feel like if we were not long distance, that wouldn't have happened because it would just be like, Oh, like I'll see you when I get home. Exactly. (laughs) I think on that same note, one thing that can come up when you are using more text and written word, there can be more room for misinterpretation. And so one thing I have learned is to assume positive intent. If you get a text message that feels short or you don't get a message you were expecting, always assume positive intent because when there's distance between 
people and you can't always talk in person or even over video, there's a lot of room for misinterpretation. There's no reason not to assume positive intent. Yeah. Now I'm not always the best at this, but I think that it is good if I (laughs) would just do it, but confront (laughs) the person, just say, Hey, this is the way I'm feeling right now. Is that legit? Or can we talk about it? Because nine times out of 10, it's something completely different. And it's about what's going on in their lives. What hurts a long distance friendship? needing to give an update on everything from the last time you talked to them until the next time you talk to them. We've all had those friendships where it's like, oh, I want to call that person, but I really don't have time right now. It's going to be a big phone call. And then the time just grows and grows and grows and you never talk to them or you do and you spend a whole Saturday doing it and then you don't talk to them again for a while. When we can cut out those updates and the small talk and just pick up where you left off, that's where the friendship is strong. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, having the only content of your communications be reminiscing Mm. about the good old days. You want to definitely make new memories where we are now, not where we were, even though it is fun to reminisce. Remembering that right now is the good old days too. Yeah. In the end, if it flows and it feels easy, then those are the types of friends you want, long distance or in person. That's the best. So that was Stefania and Catherine of the podcast, This Life Explains It All. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that with us. So Katie, do you agree, disagree? Hi, it's Katie jumping in here really quick. Just to say, as Tiffany and I listened to this tape, Tiffany was forced to retreat to a different room in her house. Retreat like many of us have to these days when we have to work and there's family around. So that's why she sounds so different. Sometimes the only place to flee is to the emptiest room in the house. And that's where she is as we continue this discussion. Okay, back to it. So, Katie, do you agree, disagree? I know. Well, I almost want to take take it in categories. Um, so, like, the first thing that they bring up is uh, the need for vulnerability, which, of course, I think that, that you definitely... I mean, I, I don't know if that across the board you can that you have to have the same vulnerability with all your friends, though. I mean, in this kind of all of us are meeting online type of situation, we do have friends that are at different levels, you know? And I think that they're more talking about how do you maintain a friendship like us? Like, you're in Rome, I'm in Seattle, they're in San Francisco and Australia. It's You do have to have a sort of more openness, maybe. But if you're just not seeing any of the people in your life, we all have like these varying levels of how much we share with each other. And I don't feel like it should just be like, okay, in this however long time, we only talk to the people that we're the best of friends with. I personally want to talk to people I know more casually also. That's definitely the case in, in the sense of with the, during the quarantine, like how, how do you keep in touch with your friends? But I do think in general, when it comes to long distance friendships that actually last, I don't think it's that it's a requirement. I think that if you don't have that vulnerability, and I don't think it's just vulnerability, I think it's just that closeness, I guess is the word that I would choose. The friendship probably just won't last. Not that you'll make a choice and you'll say, well, I'm not vulnerable with this person, so I'm not going to call them anymore. It's just kind of a natural thing because it's the people that you have the deepest relationships with that those distances matter the least. That's sort of my, how I see it. Yeah, because it would just drift away over time. Yeah, exactly. As you meet new people in your new place, the relationships that aren't as tight just drift. Yeah, and there, but there, of course, are those people, and I'm, I'm sure you have them in your life, and I have them as well, and everyone does, who 
sometimes you do drift apart. And when you see them again, it's really like no time at all has passed. Mm-hmm. And you can go years and years without talking to them. And you see them again. It's really like no time has passed. And I don't know what makes that change. Because it's not always the person that you have the deepest relationship with. Sometimes it's just a chemistry thing. Mm-hmm. Or what you've shared. Or if you've had like a real bonding experience at some point in your past. I don't know what it is. but um, Yeah, it's almost like a muscle memory maybe. In some ways, you and I were a little bit like that. We were. When you were first out there exploring Rome, it wasn't like you and I were talking a lot. Not at all. We were maybe talking once a year, if mm-hmm. if that, maybe once every other year, something something like that. Usually if one of us had a crisis. <laughs> yeah, whenever I went to Seattle, we would see each other. Like I would never go to Seattle without seeing you. But then my mom moved away yeah. and I stopped going to Seattle very often. I was going very rarely we simply just didn't see each other nearly as much. Yeah. Much less talk. And you didn't have a cell phone for like 2,000 years. (laughs) (laughs) You were like one of the, I mean, I held out a long time, but you really held out. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. I did not like having to not make plans until we were in that day. I know. Oh, I'll just, I'll just call you when I get there. Like, no, just tell me when you're going to be there. Yeah. Anyway, let's not go down that road. (laughs) I finally caved. I mean, I think the real challenge right now, specifically with everybody being online, is how do we meet with our friends and not just talk about the epidemic? Mm -hmm. And I think everybody's getting real epidemic talk fatigue. Mm -hmm. And you know what else they're getting is Zoom Zoom or Skype or FaceTime fatigue. Mm -hmm. I had a little happy hour with some friends yesterday, and two of the people didn't come just because they they said, I've been in Zoom meetings all day long for the last three days. I just cannot be in front of the screen anymore. And it's not that I don't want to see you guys. I'm glad you're all getting together, but I cannot be there. And I get that too. It's sort of the the limits of video and, and having to be all online with the same big thing hanging over us. Yeah, it's kind of funny that our relationship has not changed in the least <laughs> with the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's funny because, uh, yeah, we, you and I have been working on lo- online for so long that it just is another day in paradise for us. Another thing that they bring up is that this idea of getting on video or on a phone call rather than texting back and forth. Yeah. Do you think that that's important, that you need to see each other? Uh, I, I don't think that uh, FaceTime or video over audio makes much of a difference. I think that they're both good. I mean, maybe the video has a slight edge just because you can see, you know, see the person's expressions and so much of a communication is, is physical. So I suppose that's even better. But so, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that point. I mean, I still love the letter writing because I think they go deep. Those letters go deeper often. And I have a couple of friends that are brilliant emailers. Mm-hmm. So I feel like our email exchange is on a higher level right. than the typical day to day of just getting business done, flying back and forth. You know, it's we're really contemplating big ideas and and it's more like a writing exercise to write an email to certain friends I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, I know certain people like that too. You know, you can't compare a text to a letter or even a deep email. So if you're only sending text messages, if you're only doing like WhatsApp, then yeah, you should probably make an effort to do FaceTime or actually have a phone call at least I don't know once a month I mean I don't think you need to put a time limit on it because like you said every friendship is different but it really does help and my sisters and I have a whatsapp group and we communicate almost daily on this group and every so often one of us will be you know not able to really type and we'll do a voice message 
it's just such a breath of fresh air to like hear their actual voice as opposed to just reading. And we actually did our first Skype calls with the five of us. And it was really nice to have them all there. And they're all in different states and have a, a conversation. Yeah. So have you had any um, friendships that you would have liked to keep that ended for whatever reason? Or maybe didn't end like you said, some friendships could pick up at any time again. Like, I don't really feel like anybody's never your friend anymore unless... You know, I don't know. You're like, I don't want to be friends with you ever again. <laughs> um, but, I have a couple of those. But I think any lapsed friendship could become a friendship again. Yeah. If one or two or both wanted to pursue it. But is there um, like a really meaningful friendship that sort of fell away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you put a finger on why? I, I think distance. I just think the friends that either moved away or I moved away, who we weren't able to keep a close friendship. It was simply because we didn't have the history before the break came. I have a friend who lived in Rome. I met her my first year in Rome and I, I adored her. Her name's Laura, by the way. Hi, Laura. If you're there, call Tiffany. <laughs> hey, maybe you listen. Maybe yeah, call me. <laughs> I just, she was one of those extremely special people to me that I just know that if we'd lived in the same city, we would have spent a lot of time together. She lived in Rome for maybe three months and then she left. And it's just, it's just not enough time to build a long distance friendship. It's just kind of, it's kind of like a relationship. You can have a long distance relationship with someone, but not if they're like brand new. That's just, (laughs) that's too hard. Um, I mean, I guess some people can do it, but I don't think I could. Um, so she's one. I have I have a couple of others that I can think of. And I'm not sure. Maybe some in some cases it was because the friendship didn't go deep enough or maybe not on both sides. It's interesting because I was <clears throat> in thinking about this show. We're in a kind of a weird generation because we're in that generation that straddles as the Internet's coming about. You know, we we grew up without it. Email started being widely used when we were in college. Okay, don't and... date us, Katie. All right, fine. <laughs> no, it's okay. Everyone knows how old we are. So we're in that generation. We're in Generation X, okay? Let's just say. We are like the very end of Generation X. Can I just put that out there? I'm talking about the very last year or two of Gen X. Yeah, okay. Either way, we're in this interesting group that straddles it. And in thinking about this, I, I had a best friend growing up that I met when I was three years old. Even though I moved away from central Minnesota to the West Coast, I still saw her at least twice a year, all the way through high school. And then when we went away to college, we sort of lost touch with each other. And of course, we were writing letters back and forth this whole time. You know, we were very close in elementary school, and then we wrote letters all the way through our teenage years. And we have not kept in touch very well at all as adults which I think when we were younger would have been completely unimaginable that we would not have shared our entire lives together. I think we thought this is the lifetime best friend. This is the the big one. And as adults, we've never really done much to keep in touch at all. I haven't seen her in person since 2013. And before that, I hadn't seen her since 2008. Wow. Yeah. And Sometimes I wonder what that is, and I think it might be a couple things. It's certainly not that I love her any less, but I think it's partly that during all this close period of time, we didn't make the adaptation to taking things online. Everything was in person or through letters or through phone calls and sending texts to each other, sending photos back and forth, getting on a video chat was not something we ever knew or did, and it just isn't part of the DNA of the relationship. 
Now, of course, that could change, but I think that that's part of it. Right. Uh, and I think another part of it is really what happens when your lives diverge in a very great way. I think that when we were kids and we were just sort of imagining what adult life was like, we just assumed we'd live on the same block and like be married next door and who knows, raise kids that just run back and forth to each other's houses or, you know, whatever we thought was what adult life was. <laughs> and, and what really ended up happening was she got married right out of college and had three children and I didn't get married for a long time after college and never had any kids. And I think that you just sort of have less and less in common. I'm not currently sending a kid off to college next year. You know, I have my life experience is just so different. Does she still live in Minnesota? Yeah, she does. Still in our old hometown as well. See, that's also a big difference. Living in a small Midwestern town as opposed to living in a major West Coast town is also a big difference, I think, in just your lifestyles. Mm -hmm. But that's no different than what it was when we were teenagers, because I was here and she was there. That's true. But when you're a kid, you don't really take advantage of, doesn't really make a huge difference what kind of a town you live in. Right. And it's so much more insular. It's more about what's going on with the two of you than what's going on in your life, mm -hmm. or what your ideals are, or what, or the world. what your politics are, or all these bigger things that kind of come into play later on in life. But yeah, I, I think that's a factor too, is one, the advent of technology and how that shifts the relationship. And also when you really don't have much in common anymore. But you probably do have such in common because we do have our entire lives. But that kind of gets to their final point, which is, you know, what if most of what you can do is reminisce? Mm. They were saying that they didn't think that that was a good thing. I personally love reminiscing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always surprised by what other people remember we did that I don't remember versus like what I remember we did that they don't remember. But anyway, please. I think the point is you got to keep making memories. You can't just be stuck on the reminiscing. Reminiscing is great as long as you continue to move forward and make new memories. I think that was their point, you know, which I kind of agree with. Yeah. Because if you're not making new memories, the relationship is stagnant. Well, what about the need to update your whole lives? Remember how they were saying that if it drags too much, if you have too much news to share then you'd never make that call. Um, I feel like now is the time to make that call. For those of you, I know some of you are working a lot, like I am and stuff, but if you're not, now is the time to take that long two-hour call, really. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that... I get. I agree with the, like not needing to do small talk, but I don't think there's anything wrong with updating your close friends on your major... the things, the major things that have happened in your life because those things are what make you who you are in many cases and so obviously if there's a need to do it like you can't talk about anything else then maybe not but I think that I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to catch your best friend or your best friend from childhood up on what you've been doing lately yeah do you feel that this time at home in quarantine has made you want to change anything about your communications or or has it made you want to reach out to people that you don't usually reach out to? Well, I was just thinking about that before we got on. Um, another friend of mine who is another person that I would really have liked to have stayed closer with. And she lives in London and I don't see her. Ver I mean, I haven't seen her in ages. I can't remember the last time, but she used to live in Rome. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm going to text her and see how she's doing. And I picked up my phone and, and I and I only have her old home number for when she lived in Rome. I don't have like any <laughs> cell phone number for her. So yeah, I think 
I'd like to try to make an effort. I, I think that when you do move away, it's it's kind of a great opportunity to sort of see who are the people who you really miss mm-hmm. and some people you really don't miss. There are certain people, it might not be your best friends, but it might be people that for some reason, you know, you just, you really like and you realize, oh, I really miss that person. I want to make a bigger effort to stay in touch. Yeah, and in a way, we've all moved away right now. Yeah, we have. That's interesting, actually. I wonder if that tug to reach out to these friends that we've lost touch with in addition to the ones we just don't get to see in our day-to-day lives anymore actually has to do with that moved away feeling. We have now all moved away. Yeah. It's a weird phenomenon to not be able to see the friends that are living in your own hometown. I saw one of my contacts on Instagram posted a photo of her and another friend of hers who I'm friends with both of them about you know, six feet apart, standing in line outside a supermarket. And they're like, we planned this. <laughs> we, we planned to go to the supermarket at the same time so we could have a chat. And I was like, that is brilliant. That is so great. And I saw a friend of mine, we're not close friends, but she lives in the next building over. She lives literally next door to me. And we both moved in at the same time. We both had one-year-old kids when we moved in. And so our kids play together. And I, I quite like her. She's really fun. And she just had a baby. She had a baby actually the day before lockdown was announced. Wow. And to know that she's in the next building and I can't go and visit her and her new baby is so hard. And she was I saw her yesterday. She was just walking with her new baby and her little, little boy who was Aurelio's age. And I just waved to her from the balcony and we exchanged a few words. And it was like, man, you're right there. And I, I can't see you. <laughs> you guys are going to have to jump online. Yeah, yeah. For me, one of the weirdest things has been to not be able to see my parents. Yeah. Strange and frustrating. Well, maybe we'll make a goal for this week. We can check in next week and see if we did it. One, reach out to a friend that's been sort of, you keep thinking about and you, that I should reach out to that person. Reach out to that person or send them something. Yeah. Call them or send them an email. Two, send a letter to somebody. Those will be our two goals. Oh, I'm totally doing that. Two goals for next week. We can check in on the Thursday episode and see if we actually pulled it off. Oh, good idea. Maybe. Good idea. Well, I was thinking, speaking of uh, goals, uh, do you remember one of my New Year's resolutions was to socialize more? (laughs) Hey, it's working. Is it working? Uh, It's not working. (laughs) February was great. I saw a lot of people in February and then something happened. In March. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. So, we'll try to accomplish those two goals. And, oh, we've gotten a few extra voice memos of people giving us a day in their life following the day in the life show. Feel free. If you didn't get your thoughts in or you want to share a snapshot from your life, send it to us at bittersweetlife at mail.com. Record a voice memo. Tell us your name, where you are, and give us that snapshot of your life. And if we get enough of them, we'll put together another little something. So cool. do that if you feel so inclined. Your opportunity is not over. And if you have the means and want to support the show, please do. We could use it. One-time donations at our website, thebittersweetlife.net, or jump on Patreon like Neil did just last week and join us as a regular donor. Yay, Neil! Thank, thank you, Neil. you. Or if, you, if you're like many people, like the 16 million Americans who are out of work now... You can still help us by rating the show or telling your friends about it. When you call up that long-distance friend that you haven't talked to in forever, you know, just slide in a mention of this wonderful show that you found. That helps a lot, too. Yeah, and when you rate us, when you rate us, make sure to write a written review. That's the really important part. Yes, and until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. 
Keep in touch. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye.